Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. I'm going to start with this incredible statement that we find in Luke's Gospel, Luke 1 and 37, where he says, quite simply, for nothing is impossible with God. Can I hear an amen? Who knows that to be true? Nothing is impossible with God. And if you've walked the Christian journey, the Christian life for any length of time, you will have one of those impossible moments where God breaks through and you go, wow, how good is God? And we need to be actively sharing those testimonies and encouraging others to recognize that our God is a supernatural God. If we are to encounter God, then we've got to come to understand and expect that God does want to bring breakthrough, uh, that God does, does want to speak sovereignly into your life and into your circumstances. Friends, every single one of us is divinely created. Every single one of us is totally, totally unique, which means every single one of us is wired totally differently, which then means we're all going to respond to different situations and different circumstances differently depending upon how we are wired. Kerry and I have um, five kids and even though they're all from the same gene pool and even though they share that DNA, they are all incredibly different and they respond to situations totally differently. And so of a group like this, there is incredible diversity. We all have different experiences. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different wiring. We all have different DNA. And so... We're all going to respond to different circumstances differently and our wiring determines our response. And I would suggest if all of us today in this room were all confronted with the same problem or situation, there would be a heap of different responses. Some people, it seems, in life are super strong and independent uh, you know, we don't like to rely upon anybody else. We like to try and nut things out ourselves. And sadly, people that are strongly independent sometimes keep God out of the framework. Then there's other people on the other end of the scale who aren't quite so independent. But to an extreme, some people are so heavily reliant upon others, it seems they can never make a decision on their own. They're always wanting people's opinion. They're always wanting people's direction. But whoever we are this morning, and however strong and independent we might feel that we are, can I both encourage you and warn you that self-sufficient, strong independence actually has a use-by date. Stubborn independence is simply not sustainable for the simple reason that it's not in your DNA. It's not how God has wired you. There will come, there will come a time, no matter how independently strong you feel you are, there will come a time when you need to reach beyond yourself for help and for guidance. 
It is blind foolishness that thinks, I don't need anybody else, or even worse, I don't need God. I don't need God in my life because I am able to meet any situation, any circumstance. Nothing in life is beyond my control. Uh, You're deluded if that's what you actually think. There will come a time. Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. I hope you caught the phrase, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. Such an important principle, friends. This morning, we're going to step back in time a little bit to learn a timeless message. And the great thing about this, if we encounter God personally, if you're a person of faith here this morning, when God shows up in your life, when God does something sovereign, something remarkable, something miraculous, One of the reasons he does that is because others take notice. God wants to be glorified in your life and he wants to be glorified in and through your circumstances, no matter what those circumstances are. And when God shows up, others take notice. So today we're going to go way back to about 597 BC at this time. The nation of Israel had split. It had divided into two nations. And Jerusalem is the capital of what is now Judah and the southern tribes of Israel. A guy called Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. We've heard about the Babylonian Empire, great superpower. And they lay siege to Jerusalem. And they rob Jerusalem of all of its treasures and then take a whole bunch of its citizens captive and they take them back to Babylon. Reading from Daniel 1 and 3, One day the king ordered Ashpenaz, his highest palace official, to choose some young men from the royal family of Judah and from other leading Jewish families. The king said, They must be healthy, handsome, smart, wise, educated and fit to serve in the royal palace. Teach them how to speak and write our language and give them the same food and wine that I am served. Train them for three years and then they can become court officials. Four of the young Jews chosen were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, all from the tribe of Judah. But the king's chief official gave them Babylonian names. Daniel became Belshazzar, Hananiah became Shadrach, Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah became Abednego. So here are these captives 
in Babylon, now being handpicked by the king for service in the king's court. Now, can I suggest if you're one of those Jewish captives, this would seem for all intents and purposes an absolute disaster. But I want you to know, friends, this morning that with even something that may appear to be an absolute disaster in the natural, God can break through. You can encounter God at your lowest point. Can I hear an amen this morning? And I love the story of Daniel because it's it's this great, it's a Hollywood storyline. It's incredible. Now, I remember when I was about 15, I actually went and saw the first of the Alien movies. It was the only one that I saw and that was enough. Uh, And I don't recommend it. Well, I don't know. It depends what you're into. But uh, essentially, the story went like this. There's this spaceship from Earth that gets a distress call from another alien spaceship that's floating around in the universe somewhere. And they go to investigate what's happened uh, to this other spacecraft. And they dock. And one tiny microorganism from the enemy space or from the foreign spacecraft comes onto the spacecraft from Earth. And if you know the story, at that point, it all goes horribly wrong. Now, I don't want you to see the movie Alien, but I want you to read the whole story of Daniel because it's a really, really similar storyline. Because here are these captives from a foreign land planted uh, as captives in enemy territory. But it's not a disaster for the simple reason that God wrote the storyline. And so we pick up the story where Daniel serves under three successive kings, Nebuchadnezzar, then Belshazzar, and then a guy called Darius. And Daniel in the service of those kings, is actually positioned by God to become increasingly powerful and influential in Babylon. Doesn't make sense in the natural, but God's at work. So we pick up a story today where Daniel is serving under the third of those kings, Darius. Daniel 6 and 1. Darius divided his kingdom into 120 states and placed a governor in charge of each one. In order to make sure that his government was, prop- was run properly, Darius put three other officials in charge of the governors. One of those officials was Daniel, and he did his work so much better than all the other governors and officials that the king decided to let him govern the whole kingdom. Now, some of the other officials, uh, you could probably well understand, become very, very jealous of, da- uh, of Daniel particularly jealous of the authority that this foreign captive was given. They're very much aware that this young guy is a Jew. They also are aware that as a Jew, he was worshipping a God that was more important to Daniel than the king that he served. So they set a trap for him. We read in Daniel 6 and 4. The other men tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work for the king, but they could not accuse him of anything wrong because he was so honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. Finally, they said to one another, we'll never be able to bring any charge against Daniel 
unless it has to do with his religion. So they then go on to convince Darius the king to pass a law that said that anyone who prayed to anyone else other than the king for 30 days would be thrown into a den of lions. Reading from verse 11. The men who had spoken to the king watched Daniel and saw him praying to his God for help. They went back to the king and said, didn't you make a law that forbids anyone to pray to any God or human except for the next 30 days? And doesn't the law say that everyone who disobeys, who disobeys the law will be thrown into a pit of lions? Yes, that's the law I made, the king agreed. And just like all the written laws of the Medes and Persians, it cannot be changed. The men then told the king, well, that Jew named Daniel, who was brought here as a captive, refuses to obey you or the law that you ordered to be written. And he still prays to his God three times a day. The king was really upset to hear about this. And for the rest of the day, he tried to think of how he could save Daniel. At sunset, the men returned and said, your majesty, your majesty, remember that no written law of the Medes and Persians can be changed, not even by the king. So Darius ordered Daniel to be brought out and thrown into a pit of lions. But he said to Daniel, you have been faithful to your God and I pray that he will rescue you. A stone was rolled over the pit and it was sealed. Then Darius and his officials stamped the seal to show that no one should let Daniel out. All night long, the king could not sleep. He did not eat anything and he would not let anyone come in to entertain him. At daybreak, the king got up and ran to the pit. He was anxious and shouted, Daniel, you were faithful and served your God. Was he able to save you from the lions? Daniel answered, your majesty, I hope you live forever. My God knew that I was innocent and he sent an angel to keep the lions from eating me. Your majesty, I've never done anything to hurt you. The king was relieved to hear Daniel's voice and he gave orders for him to be taken out of the pit. Daniel's faith in his God kept him from being harmed. Friends, Daniel's times and our times are remarkably similar because you and I live in perilous times where the God that we serve, the God that we worship is increasingly unpopular and countercultural. And we've got to live with this tension where the most powerful governing force of our lives and the most wonderful and liberating truth that anchors us is constantly being attacked and constantly being brought into question. And unfortunately, friends, it's not going to get any easier. We will increasingly find ourselves under attack for our faith. And I will say increasingly, as soon as people find out you're a Christian, it's like they become immediately suspicious. I don't know if you've encountered that. I certainly have many, many times. It's like you tell them you're a pastor, you tell them you're a Christian, they suddenly go, oh, okay, I'm not real sure how to respond. But then there is immediate suspicion. And then they kind of start micro-monitoring your behavior to watch you come unstuck. 
in some way then that will prove that what they believe deep down about Christians is true, that they're actually all a bunch of hypocrites with a secret agenda and it's all rubbish. I'm sure the other royal officials that were in the service of King Darius felt exactly the same about Daniel. But I find it really interesting what it says. In verse 4, the other men tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work for the king, but they could not accuse him of anything wrong because he was honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. Finally, they said to one another, we will never be able to bring any charge against Daniel unless it has to do with his religion. We can't fault his behaviour, so let's fault his religion. And what they failed to realise is that his behaviour was actually a result of the truth of the God that he served. Amen. But it's interesting, we live in the same times. If your workmates, if your neighbours, if your colleagues, whatever, the people in your sphere of influence, if they know you, uh, even your friends who don't yet know Jesus, they know you, they will know your faith. And if they know your faith, they won't attack you because I pray you live your life with integrity before God and before man. But what they will do is immediately go to the headline news about, sadly, all those areas in God's church and God's family where we haven't done ourselves any favours and when some leaders have fallen spectacularly and the whole church gets tarnished with that brush. And so they don't attack you. They will say, well, what about this in the news? Or what about the Royal Commission? And what about this? And what about that? And they won't attack you. They won't attack your faith because they see that you're a person who lives their life with integrity. So then they go to the periphery and try to question the basis of our faith, not making it a personal issue, but making it about the institution of the church. Same as what Daniel faced. And I pray that for every one of us, when we come under fire for our faith, that the same thing would be said. They couldn't accuse him of anything wrong because he was honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. I pray that's your reputation. I pray that that's my reputation. And there's another great key that we discover in the story of Daniel as to why he just gained this incredible favour, but this courage and this great boldness. And that is that as this story unfolds, as Daniel serves under three successive kings, every time God breaks through, and again, I encourage you to read the whole story. Every time God breaks through, Daniel's faith increases. When God breaks through an impossible situation in your life, what happens the next time you face an impossible situation? You go, God's done it before. He can do it again. Isn't that true? And then something else. Man, God's done it before. He'll do it again. And he did it again. And he did it again. And, and your faith increases on the basis of how God has worked sovereignly in your life throughout your life. And that's one of the greatest keys if you are up against it, if you are facing what seems to be in the natural and insurmountable problem, one of the greatest things you can do is review your past. 
and go, God, this is not impossible for you because you've been there all my life. And I've, uh, from that moment I, I, I said yes to Jesus, I've just seen you break through and break through and break through and break through. And so now as I face another circumstance, God, I stand before you now with a greater measure of confidence because the God who has functioned in my past and broken through in the past will break through now and break through in my future. Can I hear an amen this morning? No matter what we face, we have the confidence to say to ourselves, God has done it before and God will do it again. Gives us confidence, gives us faith, gives us boldness. And I think it also gives us a steadfastness, that patience you sometimes need. Just kind of saying, God, okay, I'm not seeing an immediate breakthrough here, but I'm waiting upon you. I'm pressing into you. And Father, I, I just trust you that your timing is perfect. And then it gives us great courage. And I love this picture that we have of Daniel when this decree is made, that decree that said you shouldn't pray to anybody else other than the king for 30 days, otherwise you'll be thrown into a den of lions. So Daniel knows that this edict has been given, this law has been written. And what does he do? In the face of a law that says you can now no longer pray to your God, what does he do? Verse 10, Daniel heard about the law. But when he returned home, he went upstairs and prayed in front of the window that faced Jerusalem in the same way that he'd always done. He knelt down in prayer three times a day, giving thanks to God. So when Daniel heard about this decree, what did he do? Well, I think, let's be honest, he probably did the opposite of what most of us would do in a similar circumstance. Maybe not that we wouldn't pray, but maybe that we wouldn't open the windows for all to see. So he did the opposite. He went home, opened the windows, knelt down and prayed. Now, I don't think it's stupidity. I think that's great courage and great boldness. Where did he find that boldness? Where did he find that courage? Can I tell you, he didn't find it in the moment. He found it and discovered it through that journey of faith. Seeing God, he delivered there, delivered there, delivered there, did this, did that, did that. And now I have got the greatest confidence in the face of an impossible situation. And then there's another thing to notice. He thanked the Lord. We talked about this a few weeks ago. In the same way he had always done, he knelt down in prayer three times a day, giving thanks to God. What's he got to be thankful for? Well, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we've got to learn to give thanks in all circumstances whether we like what's going on or not. Because, as we discovered, thankfulness, giving thanks, is the language of faith, but it's also an expression of our dependency upon God in every circumstance. First Thessalonians 5 and 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And again, an important lesson, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. So back to the story. King Darius had uh, been trapped by these guys that were conspiring against Daniel. He fell for the trap. He actually liked Daniel though. 
Verse 15, at sunset, the men returned and said, Your Majesty, remember that no written law of the Medes and Persians can be changed, not even by the king. So Darius ordered Daniel to be brought out, thrown into the pit of lions. But he said to Daniel, You've been faithful to your God, and I pray that he will rescue you. So on one hand, Darius is trapped. But on the other hand, he, he, he didn't want any harm to come to Daniel at all. You've been faithful to your God. I pray that your God will rescue you. And I can imagine for Darius at that point, there was probably a million questions going through his mind. Was Daniel's God able? I mean, is it real? Can he actually do this? Can Daniel's God do the impossible? One commentary that I read pointed out that it's really interesting that even though Daniel was given a Babylonian name, Belshazzar, when Darius calls him out of the pit or calls to him in the pit, he actually uses his Hebrew name. I think that's significant. Daniel. And Daniel's name means God is your judge. And friends, this is where our faith kicks in. When we're totally up against it and when we're up against it, this is when people are really watching us. People want to know. Okay, you're going through tough times right now. Was your God actually able to hold you up in times of trial and tragedy? People are watching. They want to know, are you going to face this situation differently to the way anybody else faces the same situation? Because of your faith. They want to know when, when you've gone through times of difficulty, was your God actually able to make a difference in your life? People want to know. They want to know when you faced temptation, was God able to deliver you? When you faced doubts or anxiety or depression, when you were uncertain, even if there was really a God or not. Was God able to break through and make a difference? People want to know. When you suffer trauma, perhaps of childhood abuse or experiences of your past, was God able to break through and bring peace in the midst of the turmoil? Did God give you capacity to function in the face of the biggest obstacles that you could face? Even for some, if you were trapped by a compulsive behaviour, if you were trapped by an addiction, was God able to deliver you? They want to see if God really makes a difference in our life. They are watching. And here's the end of the story. Verse 19. At daybreak, the king got up and ran to the pit. He was anxious and shouted, Daniel, you were faithful and served your God. Was he able to save you from the lions? And then he hears a voice. I wonder how he felt at that point. Your majesty, I hope you live forever. My God knew that I was innocent and sent an angel to keep the lions from eating me. Your majesty, I have never done anything to hurt you. The king was relieved to hear Daniel's voice and he gave orders for him to be taken out of the pit. 
Daniel's faith in his God kept him from being harmed. Can I hear an amen this morning? But I love verse 25 because it doesn't end there. King Darius then sent this message to all people of every nation and race in the world. Greetings to all of you. I command everyone in my kingdom to worship and honour the God of Daniel. He is the living God, the one who lives forever. His power and His kingdom will never end. He rescues people and sets them free by working great miracles. Daniel's God has rescued him from the power of the lions. What a testimony. Should be a round of applause there right now. What a testimony. Friends, you've got to know, is your God able? Do you encounter God in such a life-transforming way that other people sit up and take notice and go, I don't know what it is, but this God that you talk about, I see His reality expressed in and through your life. It needs to be our witness. It needs to be our witness. Because we're not exempt from the trials and the troubles of this world, but we should face them differently. We should walk differently. We should walk with a confidence and boldness and faith that says, it doesn't matter what's in front of me right now. God is able. God is able. And we should respond differently. We should talk about it differently. We should encourage others differently. Doesn't mean we've got all the answers, but I walk with a peace and confidence knowing that God has got this. Because here's the truth. Every one of us has a story. We've all got a story. Is there something so amazing that God has done in your life that would point others to Jesus? If you had the opportunity and the courage of Daniel to share it. I had coffee with a good mate who's in the building on Friday morning. And he was just able to encourage somebody in his world, in his sphere of influence that was going through a tough time, a similar tough time to what he had experienced in his life. And he was able to share, you know, I'm a Christian. I couldn't have got through this without God. And I say amen to that, having walked that journey. Every one of us has a story. And I don't know who you are today. I don't know if you know God or not. But even if you don't know God, God, God's got you here today for a reason. But if you do know God, then you need to know that God has supernaturally saved you for a reason. God has supernaturally rescued you for a reason. He has supernaturally healed you for a reason. He has supernaturally provided for you for a reason. He has supernaturally directed you for a reason. And the reason is, as it was for Daniel, that God gets gets the glory. That God is glorified through your life. That others would examine your life and draw the same conclusion that Darius did that says the God of Daniel is alive. Someone, friends, someone around you needs to encounter God. They need to hear what God has done in your life. 
And I pray that you will be the one to tell them. Then they can testify as Darius did. When Darius was confronted with the supernatural power and working of God. Verse 26, he said, he is the living God. He is the one who lives forever. His power and his kingdom will never end. He does rescue people and set them free by working great miracles. And to finish where we started, Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. Friends, are you ready to encounter God this morning in your circumstances? Are you ready to say, God, I trust you. Are you ready to say, God, I'm believing for breakthrough. I want my life to be a living living testimony of who you are, a supernatural God. And I pray for every one of us that as we leave this place this morning, as we go into our spheres of influence, where people are looking, where people are watching, where people are examining. If they know you're a Christian, you're under the microscope. Because they've got the devil whispering in their ears saying it's all a bunch of rubbish. Look long enough and you'll see the chink in the armour. Well, I pray that they look long enough that they go, man, I can't fault you. I can't fault your character. I can't fault your behaviour. I can't fault the way that you genuinely love and care. Maybe I'm still struggling with the religion, but I see you are the real deal. And may your life bear witness and testimony to the reality of God. Because they're the lives that we're called to live. Amen. Father, challenging word this morning. But it's a word of great hope. First of all, hope for our individual circumstances that nothing is impossible for you. But through that living reality, through your miraculous hand working in our lives, that our lives become a living witness for those watching on, for those examining, for those searching, for those seeking. And I pray that they would become convinced of the truth of who you are because they see it in our lived experience. The way that we walk, the way we talk, the way that we respond, the way that we react to the same circumstances that everybody else around us has to face and has to confront. That we respond in faith, in confidence, in boldness of faith. That we walk with that countenance, that, that aura of God, that aroma of Christ that somehow sets us apart as being just that little bit different. But there is substance to the difference and that substance is you. Father, make that a reality for each one of us. God, I speak breakthrough as we prayed earlier breakthrough in every circumstance thank you Lord nothing better than you